Part 3. The Last Night On the evening of the 27th of June, his last night at Chithurst before returning to Thailand, Lung Po met with the Sangha for an evening of conversation and exhortation. The tape recording made that night captures wonderfully the warmth and informality of the occasion. Monks and zestful are two words not commonly linked in one sentence, but the conviviality punctuated by gales of laughter is tangible. It was the old magic of Luang Po, making people feel by his presence that they'd never in their lives been so happy and contented. He also took the opportunity to show off his only English phrase, which was a wordplay on the Pali from the mealtime blessing Upa Kapati and was his mnemonic for a cup of tea. Just a few sentences into a more formal Dhamma talk, a layperson entered the room with a new tray of hot drinks. Here we go again, another cup of tea. In the Dhamma talk that night, he gave his disciples encouragement and support in their propagation of the Dhamma. He said, If you make an effort to teach people, you teach yourself at the same time. You become smarter, you reflect more. Investigating the self-doubts and fears that arose when one first started to teach was part of the benefit to the teacher. If you're meditating, if you're mindful, then teaching others is teaching yourself. Then there's no harm in it. As for the subject of talks, he advised sticking to the five factors of what is called the Anupupikatha, or graduated discourse. Giving, morality, heaven, the drawbacks of sensuality, the benefits of renunciation, however many talks you may give, always keep them within the bounds of those topics. Their source is sila, samadhi and panya. Throughout your life of teaching, never stray from these topics. He advised against too much eclecticism. There needed to be a coherent house style. If you're teaching mindfulness of breathing, all of you should teach it in the same way. Similarly with the investigation of the body, don't introduce teachings from other traditions, it's confusing. One person starts teaching Zen and another Tibetan Buddhism and it's a complete muddle. People here are very confused already. If you give them a bit of this and a bit of that, it will be such a muddle that before long they won't absorb anything at all. You must all teach in a common idiom so that there will be a harmony of approach. If students master the basic practice, then they will understand other traditions by themselves. But if you teach a lot of different traditions, then they won't grasp the underlying principles. He warned against sectarianism. Monks should not fall into the trap of comparing traditions or praising their own path at the expense of others. Tell people that they don't have to abandon their former practices. They can hold on to them, but for now, give this a try. Just do this one thing for the time being and see what happens. Don't answer the phone. Luang Po reminded the monks that even the Buddha said that teaching was difficult. People do not relinquish their delusions easily. He cautioned them not to get discouraged and gave an example from his own experience. Sometimes you get fed up with it. At the beginning, oh, sometimes, I'd lay there in the middle of the night 
and feel like taking my bowl and running away from my disciples. It was all so frustrating. But when I reflected on the Dhamma, I realized that I couldn't do that. I asked myself, if you're not going to teach deluded people, who are you going to teach? I was the one who was deluded, deluded into thinking I was special. A telephone rang in another room, which nobody wanted to answer. Ajahn Pabakuro asked, Wouldn't it be better to be a Pacheka Buddha? A Pacheka Buddha is a silent Buddha, one who doesn't teach. It would be good. The Pacheka Buddha has no suffering. But it's best not to be anything at all. It's hard work being a Buddha. And don't be a Pacheka Buddha either. As soon as you are something, then it gets difficult. Don't be anything at all. If you think that you are Venerable Sumedho, or Venerable Anando, then you'll suffer. Right now, there's no Anando, there's no Sumedho. Huh? How can that be? Well, those names are just conventions, aren't they? The moment that you become them, then you suffer. If there's a Sumedho, then Sumedho gets angry. If there's an Anando, then Anando gets angry. If there's no Sumedho or Anando, then there's nobody. Nobody to answer the phone. Answering or not answering the telephone became a metaphor for the response to sense impingement. Ring, 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 ring. You couldn't care less. Nothing happens. There's no suffering. But if you are somebody, then as soon as the phone rings, you go to pick it up. It's suffering. You've got to use wisdom to get rid of Sumedho. Don't let there be any Anando to pick up the phone. Don't be Sumedho, don't be Anando. Use those words only as conventions. Don't take things on board. People may call you good or bad, but don't identify with those qualities. Don't identify with things, but be aware. And when you're aware, do you take things on? No. That's the end. Earthquakes in the course of their conversation, Ajahn Sumedho referred to various predictions that the next few years were likely to see a number of major earthquakes and other natural disasters. He said that people who were overly dependent on modern technology, attached to the comforts that they provided and without any inner refuge, were likely to suffer greatly. Lumpur replied, The Buddha taught us to look at the present. Astrologers say something's going to happen in another two years, but we don't have to wait that long. It's too far away. How could it be two years? It's happening right now, can't you see? Three years before an earthquake. There's an earthquake right now. Look, America's shaking really strongly. You think certain things, and this earth shakes. He pointed at his chest. We don't see it. The external earthquakes are rare. I've never seen one in my life, but in this earth, there are tremors every day, every minute. As soon as we're born, we start wailing. There, that's an earthquake. Lumpur said that because each person's earth quaked just a small amount every day, it was overlooked. Movement was natural and inevitable. It was a good thing. If there was no change, then people would stay as babies when they were born, and nobody would grow up. If nobody got old and died, where would everybody live? 
The problem, he said, was that people didn't look at the nature of things, and so nobody wanted to die. It's like you don't want this glass to be full, but you keep steadily pouring water into it. When all was said and done, there was only one way to be free from death. When you see with wisdom that nothing is truly me or mine, you realize the deathless.